When you consider an individual in your life and the impact they have on you and others, a few words may come to mind. Teacher, preacher, or perhaps innovator. In other words, a leader. These are certainly terms we use to describe someone's identity from the outside. But what if we choose a different set of terms to describe someone from the inside? For instance, he's a strategizer. He has a distinct way of thinking, a special perspective on the world. He is a relator. He enjoys the thrill of turning strangers into friends. He's an analyzer, someone who is both objective and dispassionate. He's an innovator. He is delighted to discover beneath the complex surface an elegantly simple concept to explain the way things are and to inspire others to provoke the status change to where things could be. And last, he is a maximizer. He is focused on transforming something strong into something superb. And his personal mission, to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help people just like you get the results you want out of your life. There are many people in the universe whose name is Jason Duncan. However, I am honored today to host the real Jason Duncan. Welcome to A Climb to the Top Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia, and to the real Jason Duncan, welcome to the show. And that uh, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. Very honored to be here, Chuck. It's it's great to be with you today. I appreciate it, Jason. And part of when I was prepping for the show and I thought about you and you and I met in advance of what we want to do in the service of our listeners and helping them to 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 succeed and to prosper. I thought about your the surface level of the real Jason Duncan, which is generally where anybody begins at an introduction. But you are the only individual, Jason, in 71 episodes of A Climb to the Top who put your conclusions from the wonderful book Strength Finder onto your website. Why'd you do that? It was awesome. Well, I, 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 it's, it's unique and it's you. But to our listeners, because I use Strength Finder certainly in many of my classes, explain what you did and why you did it. And most important, what you learned about yourself in that exercise. Well, I will give uh, I'll give credit where credit is due. So I was a part of a leadership program in my hometown of Gallatin, Tennessee, which we're just uh, just outside of Nashville, a suburb of Nashville. And um, it was a couple of years ago. And part of our program as the leadership program, we were to do the streak finders, uh, read the book, as you know. And as a matter of fact, I've got that book right here on my yeah. desk. I love it. The book looks like this here. So this little strength finders book yep. and uh and take the assessment. And now I'd never heard of, of the strength finders. And, and I'm, I used to be certified in disc. I've done Myers-Briggs. I've done all the ones that you, any of your listeners no are, yep. are probably aware of yep. Colby, all that stuff. Yep. And, um, strength finders was probably for me, one of the most, um, immediately, uh, connected. Like as soon as I got the results back, I'm like, wow, this explains, it, it didn't reveal anything new. It just crystallized what I probably already really knew about myself. Now, what I did with that data is that I now use that every time I build teams, um, when I'm hiring someone new or I'm putting a team together, I have them take it. And what I did on the most recent team that I put together, you'll I think you'll find this interesting. I took, I took um, all, there were three people on the team. We were getting together to do some pro a project and I asked each of them there were three roles that had to be filled 
I said, what do you want to do? And they, they ranked to themselves. I want to do this role. They, so-and-so should do this role. And then I said, okay, based on the strengths that we read about in strength finders, they didn't know their results yet. I said, what strength needs to be in these? And they all agreed. Yeah. So-and-so or this type of strength needs to be in this role, this type of strength in this role. And then I said, okay, now here are your results. And then when, it, when the results came in, it was very clear. Oh yeah, I should be doing this role. I should be doing this role. And because it was so for, for them, it was so uh, again, crystallizing and made so much sense. I thought, you know what, this is how I should explain myself to people. So when I had my website designed, I just sent that data over to the website designer and said, look, this is data that I think people need to know about me as a strategizer, maximizer, analyzer, relator. You know, those are the things that I think an innovator, I think people need to know who I am. So that's why I put it on the website. And um, you're the first person I've been on a, a podcast with who actually went through and read that and then used it in the intro. So thank you for doing that. You're quite welcome. When I gave it to many of my undergraduates, because I think to an 18 year old, it's revelatory. They said, wow, nobody ever bothered to look. And to our listeners, this book describes 34 different strengths, and as you take it, and I take it every year just to, as a temperature check, it's a recognition that here are your top five. But Jason, what I love about this, and this is where I want to take this, one of them was a maximizer, and what you just described was team building, creating synergies, where as the maximizer, your job is to discover their strengths and figure out how to leverage them in the service of your mission. So I do want to talk about your mission, because in the introduction here, your mission is really to bring prosperity, happiness, and success to others. Yet your journey by which you do this is a very interesting one, and in my mind unconventional as to where you are in, as opposed to where you started. So if you help, take us back to your college days in the role that faith played as you established what you wanted to do in the world. Take us through that journey. So I, um, my origin story kind of goes back to uh, when I was a kid. So I'll, I'll go back just a little bit. I won't spend a ton of time on this, but I've always was interested in cars. I always loved to draw cars. And my dad had a, uh, had a 70, I think it was a 70 or 71 uh, Beetle. And I remember I've got pictures of me standing in the front seat, you know, holding on the steering wheel. And I just remember it was a bright orange. And for all my life, I remember drawing cars and drawing Volkswagen Beetles uh, to be specific. And so as I grew up, I was somewhat of an artist and a designer. And my goal in high school is I wanted to go to art college and be a, an industrial designer, one who designs cars. And I got accepted to two art colleges um, and, and was well on my way to do that. I got accepted to one of the top industrial design schools in the country. I was, uh, it was my junior year of high school, but part of my faith journey to go back to your question specifically included going to church camp as a kid every, every summer from when I was 11 or 12, I went to church camp and it was part of the formative years uh, of my life that formed also my worldview, my perspectives on a lot of things, but I love church camp so much that I would actually go and spend a week as a camper. And then the rest of the summer, I would be a counselor when I got old enough, of course. And there was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I remember being at church camp and I was doing, you know, doing the thing. I was a counselor that particular week. And I remember, you know, lying on my back with the other counselors. We're all just kind of after all the kids have gone to bed, we're out hanging out by the campfire. We're looking at the stars, talking about things that mean, you know, the important things in life. And I remember thinking and having this feeling that this is what I really like. This 
this emotion, this, this impact that I'm having on these kids, um, this is what I want to do with my life. Drawing cars, eh, that's, that's not going to be the thing that is going to make the impact in my life. And that was a kind of a turning point right there in my life. And I decided at that point that I wanted to figure out how I could do this full time, not be a camp counselor, but how could I really encourage and train and teach people to, to, to come to a better place in their life. So faith certainly was a part of that. Um, but it wasn't all of that. And that led me to, you know, to kind of toss aside my acceptance to art college. I went and applied to a, a local private university uh, that was a, as a Christian university where I could get a Bible degree. And so I got a degree in Bible and ended up going into ministry, spent 13 years doing that. So that's kind of how things started. And I'll, I'll stop there because that doesn't lead me to today. But, I, but that's kind of how things started. They went from wanting to design cars to designing you know what, I really want to help people and make impact and teach. And that changed everything for me. And I appreciate and thank you for sharing that because there is an interesting twist and turn here. I recognize at the age of 17, 18, you made a very big decision because you were in a place that allowed you to help determine your future path at that age. But you recognize when you go into the ministry Every Sunday, you've got a job to do, and there may be four or three, four different services, whatever that may be. But I also recognize this is what people see when they come into the church on Sunday. You stated in your website, and I think you use the words, I want to be sure that I have them correctly, but you can correct me, a dissatisfaction with the ministry. I, I don't know, was that the right word? I want to... Well, I was actually, you're being much kinder than I did. I, was, <laughs> I, I got completely... Uh, disenfranchised with the machine right. of, of institutional Christianity. And I got you. Can you share then, and I think this is an important part because your transformation occurred and what you decided to do and potentially a mismatch of expectations several years up that path. Is that a fair conclusion? Yeah, I was, I had been, uh, I had been in ministry uh, I was in bivocational ministry, and what that means for is that I, most of that time I also had another job. I was selling life and health insurance, and I was doing ministry part time to kind of make ends meet. Uh, for I guess about fifty percent of my ministry years, over thirteen years, I did bivocationally and then then full time. But being behind the curtain, as it were, um, you see you see different things, and and certainly my experience does not indicate this is the normative experience in every church everywhere, um, but. I got, I, what I was seeing was it did, it wasn't congruent with my desire to actually change things, to really make a difference and impact. And I felt like I'd gotten to the place where I was, you know, shuffling chairs on the deck of a sinking ship. There was nothing, nothing was going to happen. People knew better, but they weren't doing better. And I got, <clears throat> and so I remember going to, it was, it was in Katrina, Hurricane Katrina hit uh, Louisiana, New Orleans back in 05. I remember taking a trip uh, down there to to work. It was a, about a week long work trip just to do relief in October of 05. I actually took a trip a group from my church and it was on that nine and a half hour drive back from New Orleans back to Nashville that it really sunk in again, this next big change in my life. It was first one was at church camp and I was like, okay, I'm going to go into ministry so that I can make an impact. And now it was I'm going to leave ministry so I can make an impact. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one, and I'd like to examine that for just a second. Did you feel that being in the ministry, you had an impact and you lost it, or do you feel you never had it? 
Oh, I made an impact. Certainly. Yeah. I think that there were, there, there were lots of lives changed as a result of my participation in different activities and ministries and doing the things that we did. And, and certainly it was not void of all good things. It right. just, uh, for me, had become a machine that I didn't see a lot of opportunity to make the type of change and impact that I wanted to make. Understood. Then I take it that when this transformation occurred, you took the best of what you learned and what you impacted of the wonderful time that you had in that ministry, recognizing the benefits of it. What was the twist that occurred that still allowed you to make an impact, but now you're on another mountain? So for me at that time, it was, um, I, I, I was, I was praying as, as someone, you know, I've, I've never, I've never not known Jesus. I've always, uh, I've always followed Jesus as my, as my King. So that, that has never been in question, but the, the religious construct of Westernized institu institutional Christianity became something to me that it just wasn't, it, it wasn't meeting. Uh, it, it didn't fit with what I saw was going on in scripture. It doesn't mean I'm right and they're wrong or, or vice versa. Just that's not, it didn't hit me where it needed to hit me. And I thought, and I prayed is like, where can I go to really make this difference? If I go back to when I was a teenager and really wanted to make a difference and I love teaching, what can I do? And it was teaching. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get a master's in education. I'll go back to school. And I'm telling you, Chuck, within two weeks of that decision, I had gifted to me almost $19,000 from friends and family who believed in what I was attempting to do so that I could go get my master's degree because I didn't have any money and I <laughs> certainly didn't want to take any debt. As a matter of fact, I was still paying off my undergrad debt at that point. And, and within two weeks, found out about the program, got the money donated to me, gifted to me, and enrolled in the program all within two weeks. And 18 months later, I had my master's in education. And then that following fall, I started teaching school. In other words, you did a lot of good things. And let's just using the Star Wars metaphor, the force was with you. <laughs> Whatever it was, it worked. It was, it, was, uh, it was so wild and fast. And it, there's no way that this didn't happen as a result of God just orchestrating it to make it happen. And it was it was great. And I, and, and honestly, I would, I would still be teaching school today and you and I would not know one another had, <clears throat> had the great recession happen, had it not happened <clears throat> because I loved teaching so much and I was very good at it. I actually became the top teacher in my County in my subject area. And what, what did you teach? I taught eighth grade American history was my core subject. I taught other subjects. I taught seventh grade geography, world, you know, world geography. I even taught some math, which I was terrible at. <laughs> Come to think of it, that was the last year I taught school. Maybe I got fired because of that. <laughs> but I, I, I think math, math is one place where all of us show our incompetence. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. So it was, uh, but I, but I taught history, loved it, had a good time with it. Uh, my students loved me. The, the parents of the kids loved me. I, like I didn't have any issues. It was, it was a great, great time, but coming out of the great recession, my school district, just like all others across the United States in 2010, 2011, were struggling. And they, they had to make tough decisions about cutting teaching positions. And because I didn't have tenure, I was the last guy I hired. It didn't matter. They made decisions like based on tenure. And so I, I was left on the chopping block. I, 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 I say I got fired. It wasn't really a firing as much as it was my contract didn't get renewed. And I was left having to make a decision again. What am I going to do? But I knew at this point that teaching was the thing I definitely wanted to do in life. There was no, no ifs, ands, or buts. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And for the next seven or eight years, I really abandoned that to become an accidental entrepreneur. 
and, uh, and, and I built a multi-million dollar business. Things have changed quite a bit, but now life is kind of going finally ebbing, flowing back into the teaching thing, which is what I'm doing full-time now. Yeah. So some people will assert, and you said the accidental entrepreneur, I am of the, of the mind, there are no accidents. And j just as when you receive $19,000, you were not the accidental <laughs> pathfinder. It happened because of something that you had given to the world that the world gave back to you. And yeah. I, 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 I love to hear more now, particularly to our listeners, many of them have entrepreneurial ambitions. Some don't know exactly when that is going to strike, or in your case, that great recession to some people may have been a burden, but you use that crisis as an opportunity. Tell us then what you took from your years in the ministry and years of teaching. Let's use the word accident. I'm just going to say you, you struck your entrepreneurial cord. Tell us about what what opportunity presented itself that caused you to take this different path now? Well, what's interesting about my story, at least I find interesting, is that the year before I found out that my contract was not going to get renewed, it was in the spring of 2010. And a friend of mine came to me and he had this idea. He wanted to start a business and he wanted me to go in with him. And I'm like, I, I listen, I love teaching. I am not interested. And at that point, I had had another business back in the mid nineties, I started a, a website design company, which is a whole nother story. But, um, but I, but my friend convinced me, Hey, you're, you're good at sales. You you've got a better business mind than me, even though you're not a business guy, let's, let's do this together. And I thought, okay, as long as I don't have to quit teaching, I'm okay. So we started the company in 2010 and it was, it was, uh, the, the name of the company's future vision energy. And it was designed, we were designing a hydrogen generator for automobiles. And again, not a science teacher, <laughs> I'm a history teacher, but I went along with it and we made it, we, we had fun with it. It was more of a hobby than anything else. So that had been going on for about a year. Fast forward to April of 2011. That's when my principal came to me and had that very uh, difficult conversation about me not being able to come back in the fall. And uh, my first thought and inclination, I'll go get another teaching job. This is what I love to do. Chuck, there weren't any. Like there were no teachers. Now I could have probably moved out of state, but Nashville's home. I did not want to leave. Couldn't find a teaching job. And so I, I thought, well, what can I do? What can I do with this company called Future Vision Energy that would actually make money? Because the hydrogen generator thing wasn't making any money. So I thought, and I don't even know how this happened, but I thought LED lighting, you know, if you think about it in terms of, of the timing in 2011, LED lighting was really coming on strong then. It was starting to become commercially viable for overhead lighting, commercial lighting in buildings. And I thought, I, this, we're an energy, we've got an energy named company. I think I could do energy efficiency sales through LED lighting because it'll save people so much money. I think I can make this go. Well, my, my business partner wasn't interested. He thought that was, well, I wouldn't say he thought it was a dumb idea. He just wasn't interested in it. And so I took full control of the LLC and he took the things and the patents that we had been working on and he went his own way and I went my own way. And I gave myself a deadline. I said, I told my wife, I said, baby, if I don't, if something doesn't happen by August the 15th, I'll go get a, a real job. <laughs> and so, so that was, and the reason I picked that date was because that was the last paycheck I was going to get from the state uh, as a teacher. And so uh, this is, this is God's honest truth on August the 12th. I went to a hospital here in Middle Tennessee, and we pitched a, uh, a project, an LED retrofit project, and they bought it. 
and it turned out to be, it wasn't immediately, but it turned out to overall over three phases, a $2.3 million project. Mm. And um, the accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's kind of how, that's kind of how the company got started. Now the company's name today is Energy Lighting Services. It's still the same LLC, Future Vision Energy, never changed that. We just took on an assumed name once we realized that lighting was going to be our thing. And, uh, you know, I built a multi-million dollar company because I knew how to sell. That was really the primary thing. I knew how to sell. Uh, I had good contacts um, and, and, and I had passion. I, I was like, I have to make this work. I was willing to do whatever it took to make it work. And we've been, we made it on the Inc. 5000 list a couple of times as one of the fastest growing privately held companies in the country. We made it on Entrepreneur 360 list as one of the top entrepreneurial companies in the country multiple small business of the year awards. And I could, I attribute that to my team. I, I hired really, really fantastic people who still run the business today. I still own the business and, uh, but I have no daily duties in the business. I've exited without exiting, which is what I teach now other people to do, but it's uh, it's been a phenomenal ride over the last decade. Well, let's lay down some lessons then for our listeners as you twist and turned your way into something new. First question, rather, let's start with you. What did you learn about yourself now that you're in this other place? What did I learn about myself? Are you, so in terms of um, in terms of entrepreneurialism, yeah, I think what I learned about myself is that I can do a lot more than I thought I could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there's this this fake it till you make it concept um, that that there's there's the positive side of it and the negative side of it. There's a lot of gurus that say it's it's it lacks integrity, yep. and there's the other side of it. I happen to be on this other side. I did fake. I did the I'd fake it till I make it. Never once did I lie to anybody. Never once did I mislead any anybody to anything. But I put myself in a position as like, yes, I know what I'm doing. I can make this work, even though I might not have known everything. I remember there was this one story. Um, it was that same hospital project. We were, we were, we had just kind of sealed the deal. And a couple of the facility guys were asking me questions about voltage. And they're like, yeah, well, these work. We got some parts of our hospital, they're 277 volts, some parts are 110 volt where they work. And I looked at them and I didn't, ne- I, I didn't know what he was talking about. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh yeah. The voltage. Yeah. All right. I'll, we'll get right on it. <laughs> and the reason I was able to say that, even though it was kind of faking it till I make it, is because I had trust in my manufacturing partners. They they would have they knew lighting and, and they would have already told me, hey, you got to make sure about this voltage thing, but they didn't. So I knew that it was going to work. And so I think what I learned about myself, Chuck, was that I could do more than I gave myself credit for. And I think other people can too, which is why I loved helping entrepreneurs f- found new businesses today to change the world because they can do more than they think. It, we are we are more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Indeed, Jason and to our listeners, what Jason is describing is a book in 2013 that was called The As If Principle, written by a guy named Richard Wiseman. What he talked about, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. You believe you, you are that person. And many yeah. people on what you described on the other side think it's not authentic, it's not genuine. Who said we can't change to be be something else. And yet your teaching skills showed well when it came down to have to persuade and inspire someone to hit a buy signal. Did your teaching help you to become a good salesman? Yeah, I think that on my sales skills, this is kind of, the, this is, this is the story. So, and when I got married, I got married in 1995. Mm-hmm. When I got married as a young 20 year old guy with, with, I was still in college and I didn't really know 
sales companies, insurance companies specifically would hire anybody who could fog a mirror. Like yeah. they would, they would hire anybody. <clears throat> well, I was one of those anybody's. I am a voracious reader and I love to learn. I've always been, I always love to learn new things, things that I'm interested in. And so as a salesperson, they would show the opportunity, Hey, you can make X number of dollars if you did this. Yep. So I'm okay. Teach me how to do that. So I went through some fantastic sales training early, early in my career as a salesperson in the, in the nineties, late nineties. <clears throat> and I learned how to sell, I learned how to prospect, learn how to close, learn how I learned all that stuff. And then when I became a, uh, you know, full-time pastor, when I was pastoring full-time, you know, it's not sales in the traditional sense, but there's still a lot of persuasion, a lot of, a lot of uh, appealing to people's emotional interests, et cetera. Yeah. And then when I became a teacher, again, not, tra not sales in the tradi traditional sense, but when you got a room full of 13, 14 year old, eighth grade kids, you've got to learn how to get their attention. You, you've got to learn how to make them interested. You got to learn, you got to learn how to make them want to know what you're trying to teach them. So all of those things contributed to, you know, added up on my sales skills. And then when I went out to start Future Vision Energy and started selling LED lighting projects to commercial buildings and hospitals all over the country, I just tapped into all those skills. So I had this pastoral insight of making sure I was paying attention to people's uh, emotional impact, you know, how they, how they're thinking through these things. And then as a teacher, I was, I was able to well educate my prospects on what I was attempting to do, because there's lots of education, or at least there was a long time ago. It's not as much today about what LEDs are and what they can do for you. How, And, and now as a, as a very successful multimillionaire entrepreneur who, who built a huge company, I use all of those things combined into this one superpower of being able to take complex concepts and break them down into easy steps that people can understand. Mm -hmm. And I love doing it. And that's what I do now to coach other entrepreneurs and business owners on how to do the same thing for their businesses, how to get their sales structure set up so that they can make revenue and profit. Yeah, in fact, I, I everything that we have done so far and discussed, Jason, is leading us to Many of our listeners, probably they're all on LinkedIn. And when they go into the real Jason Duncan and they look right at the top of it, you have something that says results right at the beginning. Describe this institute that you have and why you chose that word to jump out and help us realize that no matter what you do in your life, it all goes back to that word result. Well, I was listening to a podcast. <clears throat> Honestly, do not even, I listened to so many. I do not remember whose it was. Uh, I just remember I was driving out to, um, I speak in, in the summertime, every, win every Wednesday night, I go out to the local Boy Scout reservation and I'm the chaplain out there and I speak at their chapel with kids all over the country that come in. And I was driving out there, it was three or four years ago on a Wednesday, Wednesday evening, listening to a podcast and the guest on the podcast show was a, uh, was a business coach. And she was talking about how that manager, specifically sales managers, we're managing for activity rather than managing for results. And so, and, and the way she was positioning it, she said, Hey, you know, let's say you've got to make 15 prospecting calls in order to get one appointment and you got to do 10 appointments in order to get one sale. And she was running those numbers. She said, most sales managers and business owners will manage that activity and just tell people, Hey, <clears throat> if you do all the activity, it's going to work. And I think that's a pretty common concept. I think most people understand it and get it. But but what she did, she twisted that. And she said, here's the thing, though, you can't pay your bills on the activity, you only pay them on the results. Right. And it struck me, it was like a ton of bricks landed on my on my shoulders, like, 
that's, I've been doing the wrong thing. We built a very fantastic sales organization, very specific processes. And we knew exactly how many calls it took to get to X, Y, or Z, but I was managing for all the activity and not the results. Right. And so, so then I had this conundrum. I had this cognitive dissonance that said, okay, if I can't manage for the activity and I have to manage for the results, is it like, I don't care how you do it, just do it. And I thought that doesn't fit me. That's that doesn't have integrity because I worked for people that, in the insurance business. They're like, I don't care how you get the sale. I don't care if you have to lie to them. I don't care if you have to forge your name. I mean, I really work for people like that. I never did that, but that's what they, I, so I knew that I couldn't do that because I was a person of integrity. So I thought, how do I manage for results and do it through integrity? And there, there was results yeah. through integrity. So at first it was simply a hashtag on everything we did as a company. I went back and changed the way we did our 30 day reviews of our sales team. You know, there are two questions. Did you get the results that we, you were required to get? And number two, did you do it with integrity? And most people think that integrity means being honest and forthright. And, and that is certainly is part of it. But what I mean by integrity was that did you follow the process? Did you put in the hours and the time to do the things that are required? So if those two things come together, if you do the results and you do it through integrity, you should, you should be there because at the end of the day, you can't deposit effort. The banker is not going to take a note from your mom that you tried hard. <laughs> You've got to take in real cash, real money that you earn the result of the efforts that you put in. Yeah. I and mean, can you describe for anyone interested in this do you call it an institute, a university? How do you label it? Because as I read it, I said, oh, this is really cool, but I want to hear it through your words. So, so there's two, there's two companies that I started. The first, the first company I started um, was once I started building my company energy lighting services in such a way that I could exit without exiting. In other words, I could still own it and make the money from it, but not have the daily duties. I started a, a coaching and consulting platform called results through integrity. And so that's how I, I've got clients all over the world that I coach as founders, how to get to results through integrity. And I focus on reverse engineering their goals backwards so that we can get them their results much more quickly. And of course, I work with everything, sales teams and whatever they need me to do. That's that's my coaching and consulting company results through integrity. And then over the last year or so, I started working with a coach because I truly believe that you everybody needs a coach in life and you should have a coach. And so I hired, I hired a coach back in October and I said, his name is Mitch. I said, hey, Mitch, I've got this concept in my like all these things that I've learned over this decade of being, you know, unemployed school teacher to millionaire. Like how, how I've got this journey that ha there's a lot of good nuggets of data. I don't know everything, but some of the stuff I know is really good that I can help other people. How do I get this out there? And he knew my, my desire for teaching. He said, you're a teacher at heart. Let's put together a, a university system, an online university system with courses that are specifically about entrepreneurship, leadership, sales and financial literacy, which are the core subjects that I know a lot about. And, uh, and then when we were trying to figure out, okay, now we know what we're going to do with an online university and sell courses online. How do we, what do we name it? And he was like, duh, it's results <laughs> university. That's, it was his idea. He's like, you're all about results. It's not about, it's not about the work. It's not about the, it's not about the activity. It's about the results. So everything you do is results driven. So my coaching company and I coach entrepreneurs all over the world. It's results through integrity. And then my online university where I've got students from all over the world who are learning how to be better entrepreneurs. 
Results, Results University. And let's leave our audience with the ultimate call to action where I always ask our guests to speak directly to them. And the big question we ask is, what do we want our listeners through all of the advice and insight that you've laid down on this episode? What do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? And then what do you want them to do with themselves given the enormous burdens and opportunities in front of them? Well, I think that there is a listener right now who is out there listening to this show who has an idea and that idea is burning a hole in their brain. They want to start a business more than anything and they just don't know what to do because you're at, our education system failed us. It did not teach us how to balance a checkbook, much less how to start a business or how to grow a business or how to grow a successful or profitable business. So a lot of, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs like me who are accidental, they find themselves accidentally in entrepreneurship or they, they wade into the waters trepidatiously because they're afraid. They don't know what to do. They don't understand how to do it. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can do it. You can go from startup to success in six months or less. I have a, I have a course at Results University. It's kind of my signature course. It's called the Complete Startup Guide for Entrepreneurs. It's everything you need to know to go from startup to success in six months or less. And it's based on my real life experience of, of being an entrepreneur who, who didn't know I was an unemployed school teacher. I didn't know what I was doing. And I it took me a long time, six years to figure all this stuff out. And once I figured it out, I'm like, this is dumb. It shouldn't have taken this long. There are things that if you know how to do and you know the right paperwork to fill out, you can have this up and running quickly and starting to make money. So I designed this course, it's 11 lessons. All these 11 lessons are everything from uh, what are the keys to success? Like, what do you have to know in order to be successful? What do you need to do to file your articles of formation? How do you get your EIN? Which, you know, if you don't even know what those terms are, it's because you don't know, right? I, I teach you. <laughs> I didn't everything. have a course for that in college. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, do you know that 95% of, Amer of America's professors have never started a business? I, I, it could be argued that drug dealers know more about running businesses than our college professors. And that does, that's no, that's no slight against a college professor because I'm a teacher and I'm a and professor. I, I, like, <laughs> I like colleges, but they, but the people teaching entrepreneurship don't know entrepreneurship. I know it. I'd lived it. I've built companies and companies and companies that have been very successful and I've helped other people do the same thing. So I even created 10 customizable downloadable documents for my students in these, in this course that teaches them exactly what they need to do. Their checks, their checklists, their worksheets, their templates, everything you need to know to go from startup to success in six months or less. And that's, you can find that course at results university dot org it's resultsuniversity.org you can go and buy the course you can download it today you can get started on it today and then if you want one-on-one -on -one or group coaching i do that through my company results for integrity and and you'll be given the opportunity to reach out to me through that um, if you buy the course now if you're not interested in the course you just want to talk directly to me or one of my certified coaches you can go to my website the real jason duncan dot com and i'm i've got all kinds of information there that's where chuck found all the good stuff on me Indeed, <laughs> for the intro so all that's there well i'd like the outro to focus on something very specific there are as i said in the opening there are many jason duncans in the world but you are the real jason duncan tell us why you and tell us who is the real jason duncan well, the punchline is this, this is 100% a branding play. 
<laughs> I truly believe, I truly believe that personal branding, we're only seeing the beginnings of what's going to happen with personal branding. But here's the, the, the bigger, longer story of that that's not too long is that for years, I have wanted to buy the, the domain that's just my name and it was not available. So I eventually tracked down the person who owned it because if you, if you go to it, it just points at an empty MySpace page. There's nothing there. And I thought for surely to goodness, this person doesn't need it. And I tried and tried and tried and couldn't. Well, in the meantime, I had set up, you know, I'd set up a, an Instagram account. And, and, and again, there's so many Jason Duncans, there's lots of them. I, I couldn't, I couldn't be just Jason Duncan. So I thought, well, I'll be the real one. And then I started talking to a branding coach in New York and she was saying, okay, well, tell me a little bit about you and blah, blah, blah. So I told her the story and told her all this. She goes, okay, well, this is easy. You just need to, con you need to start your own personal brand as the real Jason Duncan, get a logo design, get your website, get the domain, and that's going to be who you are. And so now when I introduce myself, I introduce myself as the real Jason Duncan, people take a pause and they, okay. And they remember it. And so it's just a personal branding play and, and it's, it's working. People, people ask me just like you just did. People ask me what it means. And it gives me the opportunity to talk more about my name than if I just introduced myself as. Well, it's, it, it's a great story, Jason, but I think it's part of the actionable advice that you're providing because I think all of us, what you and I do for a living, we are here in the service of someone else's success. And what you said earlier is right now there's somebody burning an idea in their brain and often they don't know what to do with it. And that's where we come in. I'm Chuck Garcia. You have listened to the real Jason Duncan on this wonderful episode, and I am honored and blessed to have had him here. You can always find me at chuckgarcia.com. Jason, the real Jason Duncan, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It, is, it has been an absolute honor. I've been looking forward to this all week. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you always for tuning in. Again, you can find me at chuckgarcia.com. We love to hear from you. We wish you the best in your mountain climbs. Keep changing, keep transforming, and keep climbing. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.